I'd say of the meetings that we set up, like if we set up 10 meetings a month, we usually get two deals as a direct result of those meetings in the first month. And then about half of the agents are still in business two years later, um, who then we, we continue to work with. Half, I mean, to be clear, you have to, you can't look at the downside because half of the meetings that we have, the person's out of business in six months, but that's okay because it only takes one. If your commission is a percent of something that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can afford to fail a whole lot of times. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, I get to interview Matt Muscat today. He is a neighborhood realtor podcast. He's a marketer. He helps agents grow their businesses through all kinds of things like ads, websites, ideas, et cetera. And like me, he gets to ask questions on podcasts and learn all kinds of cool strategies to help agents explode. So if you are an agent or an investor looking to grow your business, this is probably going to be the episode for you. Matt, take us into it right away. You've had about 70 podcast episodes. What has been one of the most memorable ideas that you've learned so far in your podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. So number one, I think that in the real estate world, every piece of marketing you learn, it's not for you, right? Like based on your personality, based on the market that you serve, based on the goals that you have, you need to be able to discern which forms of marketing are going to work for you. So the type of marketing that I have I have learned works the best. It, there, there's, things that, there's things that everybody needs to do. And the easiest one is to actually have a plan for every person in your database. So if you're in real estate, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a database, you have a sphere of influence. That's usually the advice your broker gives you day one. The problem is that unless you're just putting people in a generic marketing campaign that kind of sucks that you're not going to get business from, most people don't put the time in to make a plan for every contact type, right? What is your proven process for leads? What is your proven process for closed clients, VIPs? What is your proven process for people that are in process, right? You're active, you're active buyers, you're active sellers. If you, if you take a couple hours and you figure out how you would want to be communicated with if you were in one of those stages, you can put forth tasks for yourself to do, uh, automated emails, text messages, events once or, once or twice a year. You can put that plan together and ensure that everybody gets communicated with at least a couple times per year, right? The National Association of Realtors says that a good realtor closes 7% of their database per year in a good market and 5% in a bad market. If you have 500 people in your database and you're not closing 35 deals a year, you're not, you're not communicating enough or with the right information. So that's probably my biggest one because I think that one applies to everybody. Yeah. Well, 5%, one in 20. So like you said, a hundred people, right? Is five, five deals. So and then you just kind of factor from there. So when you talk to agents, is it usually just lack of activity is the biggest problem or is it the wrong activity? Well, I think the, the problem most of the time starts at the beginning. It's the reason that realtors and most salespeople, right? Like lenders and insurance people are not excluded. The reason that most salespeople get into the industry is the same reason that they fail. It's because they wanted more freedom. They wanted more flexibility. They didn't want to have an asshole boss. And then all of a sudden they realize that they have no structure. So most people listening to this right now, if they were to pull up their iPhone calendar, there would be very few real estate related activities in their calendar. What instead would happen is when their clients call and want to see a house, they go show the house. If you want to get results, you have to have sales-related activities in your calendar. You need marketing-related activities time-blocked in there. That is the number one habit of a successful agent. You can have a database. You can know a lot of people. But if you don't have 
marketing and time plan to actually get things out to them, you're just not going to do it. Something else is always going to pop up. So you mentioned Sphere. You mentioned Sphere yeah. first because Sphere is the best, in your opinion, way to get business in the real estate space. Yeah, I mean, I think 90% of the people that are doing, you know, 10 or 10 million or more dollars in sales, the majority of their business comes from their sphere of influence. It comes from people that they know. Real estate has always been a people business. No matter what new technology comes out online, chat, GP, whatever, your sphere is always the way to go. That being said, most people aren't saying the right things to them and they're not, they're not communicating enough. So I think we can agree. Obviously, you want to have a lot of forms of communication with your with your sphere. That's not yeah. asking for business. That's giving them value, et cetera. But what do you find is one of the best ways to ask for business when it is time? Absolutely. So it all starts with how you're communicating in the first place. So what I like to do is I like to click on one of my sphere people's social media profiles, Facebook, Instagram, whatever they're into is wherever they are is the site that I'm going to be on. I click on their profile. I see what they've been doing recently. And then I say like, Hey, Matt, uh, noticed you just went to the baseball game last weekend. How was it? Was thinking about taking my kids, wasn't sure um, how they were doing this season. I'd reach out about something. You would definitely respond to me because if you cared enough to post about X, you're definitely going to respond when I ask you a question about that. From there, I'm counting on you to ask me an open-ended follow-up question because 90% of like conversations in the U.S., one of the people is going to ask, hey, how's it going? How are you? What's new? How's work? How's the family? One of those questions. From there, I can start talking positively about what I do, real estate, for instance. And then I can mention, yeah, dude, it's been a really, uh, great week. The market's been hot, so I've gotten a couple buyers into houses. I want to go there, and then I want to get a meeting scheduled. I want to get a coffee, a beer, a something. I know that if I get five meetings, if I have 20 messages out, I can get five meetings scheduled, and five meetings equals one deal. So I just like to work backwards from there. So one of the ideas that, that I've heard that has really been helpful for me is kind of shifting my sphere from one to one to one to many, yeah. right? going to the vendors, the providers that can give me access to more than one deal. They can give find me a channel deal. account, find your will. Exactly. I, I talk to agents about that quite often. And it, what's really interesting is that, that they'll happily talk to me if I'm talking about leads, no problem. They'll go deep. I want more leads. Yeah. But when I talk to them about, Hey, let's structure a strategic process for you to build 100 referral partners that will refer you one to 10 deals a year, all of a sudden there's like some level, like, do you see that as well? That agents seem to be kind of 10 towards one-to-one -to -one versus one-to-many? Well, I think, I think everybody thinks about, everyone wants like a relationship that's just gonna be like that evergreen source, but most people don't know how to get it. And so the tip that I would give people that want that, wanna, that, want that is to chase five whales at a time. Like if every year you're chasing five whales, you will be somewhere with it, but you have to go deep. And the marketing you do to get a whale or a channel account needs to be different. But one way to do it that I found is to find people in your list or in your life that already love you. Like find people that already trust and like you. And instead of thinking about them as a client that could give you a one-to-one -one deal, think about what they do for a living. Think about what clubs they're in. Think about what they're into in life. What neighborhoods do they live in? How could you coach them to becoming a whale referral partner for you? The easiest example of this, um, I found out a, a guy that I'd closed a deal for runs like our local pickleball club, right? He runs an organization that has 2,500 people in our city. He should be a whale account for me, right? So then I said, hey, could we put a, could we put a tournament on? Like, we'll, we'll buy the food and drink. We just want to get in front of your people. He said, absolutely. And guess what? Four deals in one week after doing a tournament. That was, so that was his highest and best. Like my highest and best was not asking him to buy another house with me. 
right? My highest and best was figuring out how I could tap into his people. Think about the people in your database and what their job title is. Every single job title could be something for you, right? Like maybe, you're, maybe your contact is in human resources and they know everyone getting hired at their company. That could be a referral source that's evergreen. Maybe they're a divorce attorney, an accountant, a financial advisor. Or obviously, if they're a builder, that could be great. Think about what your people do for a living and what your best ask could be. You, they don't know that they could be a whale account for you. You have to train it out of them. You have to figure it out. That's where the critical thinking comes in. And that's where, frankly, if you figure that out, you're going to have a much, much more fruitful career. So let's, let's actually dive into this as an idea. So if you're thinking about, man, I'm going to go speak at this person's event or I'm going to go speak to their people, what would you say would be a reasonable size of influence or employee count that would be kind of a necessity before you go down that road? So I would say that I wouldn't necessarily have a minimum. If they had like a company that was like two or three people, I would probably just ask for like a referral to each one of those people and like an email connection or a Facebook connection. Um, yeah. But we, for instance, like one of our clients owns a local pizza shop. They have nine employees and we, it's a great use of our time to go to a quick presentation for, for their employees at one of their team meetings. What I want to do is I don't want to be invited to an event that their people are going to have to make extra time to go to. I want to show up somewhere where they're already going to be. That's going to be my highest and best use of time. And then I want to make it exciting. Like I want to find out what are other vendors doing when they come in? Are they bringing donuts? Cause if they are screw that, I'm not doing donuts. I'm going to figure out something a little bit more memorable, a little bit more fun. Maybe we're going to host like a, I've, I've hosted impromptu wine tastings at people's, at people's already scheduled events. So it's a little bit different than what they're getting. Um, and it makes it just a little bit more memorable or some type of team building activity that we can, that we can put forth. How long do you speak? How do you structure your presentation at those events? It's a great question. So I like to find out what they need, right? So if they, a lot of people need continuing education or like a presentation on a specific topic. If it's something like that, then I'll totally speak for uh, 30 minutes to an hour. If people know, if people are expecting that. But typically, if I'm, if I'm being added on to an existing meeting, it's literally five to 15 minutes. And I, tr I try to preface it by telling them ahead of time how long I'm going to talk for, what I'm going to talk about. And then I leave room, always leave time for questions and let them know that I'm going to hang out afterwards. Almost half the business we get is from people that want to chat afterwards. I usually like to be the last person that talks to because if I'm the first, they've forgotten about what I've said by the end of it. And then I'm just sitting there through their meeting. It's kind of weird. So I like to show up through, through the middle. Uh, be there for my part of it, and then be there around to network and hang out at the end. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week we have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. 
As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Very, very smart. Like, what kind of topics do you speak on most often at these events? So... Me personally, I'm typically talking about stuff like this, right? Like I'm in front of large groups of real estate agents and we're talking about real estate marketing. But if I was to have one of my realtors or one of my lenders going to a local company and talking to their employees, like we've done this with like nurses, we've done this with um, waitresses, we'll specifically provide examples of how people in their industry have succeeded in the home buying process. Um, If the age demographic skews younger, we talk about house hacking a lot. I think house hacking, and I know you guys are super into real estate investing. It's a topic that everybody wants to know about it because people think like, oh, there's this secret out there and this is how everyone else is doing it. And the idea that like, whatever you pay in rent, we can get you a house for basically zero down and then your roommates will pay your rent. That's always a popular one. Um, so if the demographic skews under 30, that's that's the topic for my realtors and lenders 90% of the time. Otherwise, it's like job specific. So it might be like, how to buy a house when you're a, when you're a 1099 employee, how to buy a house when you're a tip-based person. Those play really well because everyone in the room, if we're doing that, is usually like, let's say they're all waitresses, that's, that's going to work really well. And then we provide specific and real examples with the names changed of people in those exact spots that we helped. Yeah, love it. You got to relate to people. You need to get people to realize that like you helped someone just like them last week. Is the presentation literally more or less solely that thing? Like, hey, I just want to come up here. I'm going to talk to you about how to house hack. And here's some examples and kind of get those examples. It takes five to 15 minutes and then you're done. Are there like some strategic endings that you use that increase interest? Um, Typically at the beginning or end of the presentation, we like to like gauge the audience. So typically say like, hey, obviously we're going to talk about some real estate today. Let's just get a show of hands. Raise your hand if you're renting. Raise your hand if you're a homeowner. Because then I know who to make more eye contact with and I know how to how to gear my presentation. Like if I'm doing it and I made the asinine assumption that everyone there is broken, is renting, and then they're all homeowners, my presentation is gonna bomb. I need to figure out who the who is in the room first, and then I'll try to engage with them as much as humanly possible and make eye contact with the ones that I think are a potential. And so like this outdoor pickleball event, probably obviously no PowerPoint presentation, it's literally just you up there speaking. Yeah. No, like it was 120 real estate professionals who showed up to play and we spent 800 bucks in trophies. We had someone pay for all the food. We did announcements in the middle. We did a learn to play and then we did a tournament and all 120 people were gathered there at the same time in the middle for lunch. We did quick announcements said thanks to the sponsors and then said, hey, by the way, guys, we can't do events like this unless you send us business. And we kind of did like a shameless plug there. We had some QR codes for people to scan to sign in that we can market to after the fact. Um, and that's that's how we were really able to mine some data. Like, are you a homeowner? Yes or no? This, that, and the other. So let's, if you're willing, let's talk about the numbers on this. How many people showed? How many people scanned QR codes? How many ended up turning yeah. into clients? Yeah. So out of the Pickleball event, we had 120 total people there. About 20, 20 of them were sponsors who gave us $1,000 or more to be at the event and that that all went to charity, thankfully. So we raised 15 grand for charity. That was awesome. Um, we had 10 volunteers there who we then put in our marketing list to get more to find out, do they own a home? What, how can we help, et cetera? We got one lead off of that 10 out of that group of 10. Um, 80 of them were real estate agents. So now we're marketing to the realtors directly to get meetings for our lenders. We got three of those in the first week. So those are the numbers that I have that I have so far. Cool. And so 
explaining that a little bit more. So like you help lenders get appointments with agents. Is that a business service that you offer? Yes, that's a huge, yeah. So we, we give agents a lot of free marketing, a lot of uh, ideas and events so that they will meet with our lenders and have a reason for them to, to chat with them. And I think most lenders are kind of like, it's kind of like realtors in this industry are like the pretty girl in school and lenders are like the dudes trying to get with them and get all their business without offering any value. We communicate right. better, use us. So we try to have a unique approach to give our lenders an edge so that agents will call us and want to reach out. Which is really interesting. So the education that you're providing, is it something that like you're doing, like you're talking on this video and you send them and they're like, oh, by the way, go to this lender, even though that's not their piece of content? Yeah, so usually, so if it's in, if it's in my area where I'm geographically located, um, a realtor will reach out to me through from us doing an event or something, they'll want to talk marketing. And I'll say, awesome, while you're here, by the way, like we're going to do a meeting on the rooftop deck. Is it cool if I introduce you to some other people from our office? And they always say yes. Yeah. And then they get connected. And does that, does that have a pretty good through rate as far as that lending? It has an unbelievable through rate. I'd say of the meetings that we set up, like if we set up 10 meetings a month, we usually get two deals as a direct result of those meetings in the first month. And then about half of the agents are still in business two years later, um, who then we, we continue to work with. Yeah. Half, I mean, to be clear, you have to, you can't look at the downside because half of the meetings that we have, the person's out of business in six months, but that's okay. Cause it only takes one. If your commission is a percent of something that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can afford to fail a whole lot of times. Yeah. Well, and this is really interesting too, because like you said, I mean, so there's a real downside to the industry of people failing out so much, right? You build these relationships and then people are gone, but also like I've heard some online education people say, well, the field is fresh. Like your, your, your marketing mm -hmm. can be whatever, because there's a new slate of realtors every 90 days or whatever. But like, talk to us, like how much is your stuff helping retention? Like in what ways? Is it just the education piece or? Yeah. So what we're, what we're providing agents is for the most part, what their brokers should be providing. But I think a lot of times people don't realize that most brokers just want to fill seats. Like if you succeed, fantastic. They make money, you make money. But if you fail, they're not out anything. And there's some, there's some select like, you know, niche brokerages that really do provide a lot of this marketing, a lot of this advice to agents, but we're non biased source. Like I don't care if you're with EXP and you're going that model, or if you're with Keller Williams, Remax, it doesn't matter for me. We, we just want to help. Um, and it's kind of like the original, the original marketing. Yeah. So where, like, do you see yourself heading in, you know, the next five or 10 years? Yeah. So I love, um, I, you know, my mentor makes the joke that you don't need new jokes. You just need new people to tell them to. I believe that regardless of what changes in technology, what the next big thing is, database marketing, sphere-based marketing, local community-based marketing has, has been where real estate and sales has been for the last hundred years. It's where it's going. So in the next 10 years, I want to tell my same, my same bad real estate marketing jokes and the same advice. I want to get in front of new audiences. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I want to share what's working here with agents in other places. I think there's also a huge opportunity for, for if you, when you network with people outside of your industry or outside of your area, there's more opportunities for referrals, especially as people move to save money to different areas. Like I can't tell you how many people are moving from California to Michigan where I am. Um, so I encourage my clients to network with people in our industry that are out of the area, but I like to do the same thing myself. So if you're hosting a conference, you want a marketing pre presenter, let me know. Happy to help. What do you see as the newer trends? I mean, obviously you kind of talk about like, obviously have the same jokes, right? Get new audiences, yeah. but to get new audiences, obviously it might require new marketing. 
what are yeah. the new marketing things that we should be thinking about in the real estate space in the next couple of years? So I think, you know, if we didn't talk a little bit about AI, people would think that we were not tech savvy. I think that there are so many new AI tools right now that are there to make agents and salespeople's lives easier. So literally like we get a couple leads a day from SEO. So how do we, how do we get SEO? It's, it's not magical. We figure out what keywords people are typing in. We find out what questions our clients have. We type those questions into chat GPT and we say, write me a 500 word blog optimized for website SEO that answers this question. And then we reword it a little bit, make it sound less robotic, post it on our website, send it to one of our salespeople to do a short video on, and done. Years ago, we would have had to hire a content writer, we would have to research the topic. Now we just have to do a preliminary review, reword it, and post it. And that has been amazing. I think our, our online leads are up probably 25% over last year, now that we're able to, to get 20 times more content done. Um, and I think anyone can really do this. You, I mean, you can have ChatGPT give you social media posts. You, there's so many things you can do. It does pretty much everything other than giving you contact information for people that are out there. Given that the amount of content that's going to be put out in this next couple of years or 10 or 20 years is going to be so much more than has ever been put out in the history of, of content, how do you feel like things are going to change? You know, the big thing is that people still work with people who are local and who they trust. So every one of us has a slightly different spin, right? We all have a slightly different leaning, like, you know, conservative, liberal, et cetera. So when you are using this content that you're getting offline, you really do need to interject a little bit more of your personality into it. Um, and I think that's gonna be the part. Secondly, you need to make sure that people can find it. So when I'm coming up with content, I'm always starting with content that I know will be valuable to my existing clients and my existing email list. And then we give it to them first to get some traffic on it. And then second, we, it's there for the rest of the world. And if we pick up one person a year off something, that's still a win. You don't need to look for exponential results in this industry. You need to look for micro, micro um, results because the payoff is great. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next 12 to 18 months? Life and 12 to 18 months. Um, in the next 12 to 18 months, I'm hoping we, before we had kids, we were taking one vacation a month. Uh, we were, we were leveraging our, some, you know, passive income and the lifestyle we built to take at least one trip a month, even if it was small. And we had kids and we are down to like six to eight trips a year. And we're hoping to get back to one trip a month. Um, so really, really excited for that. Uh, we didn't buy a rental property this year. We bought, we were buying one to two a year previously. And I'm hoping that I can find a unique opportunity for uh, another kind of passive income investment this year. So excited about that. Awesome. Best trip of the last two years. So two weeks ago, we went to Ibiza for a gay Indian wedding. And if you've never been to a gay Indian wedding, I, I recommend not going to any other types of weddings ever again. It was the, the craziest thing ever. But uh, I'm not like a partier, but we went to a nightclub in Ibiza at two in the morning, left when the sun came up, and it was just such a different experience from anything I'd ever experienced. And the culture in Spain was just amazing. Highly recommend Spain for anyone that hasn't been. Interesting. Yeah, my sister-in-law went there uh, for several months and just raved about Spain. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just a culture is people people work hard, but they they don't like live to work. It's very much like you do what you love. And it shows like everyone's happier. There's less stress and the food's fantastic. Amazing. 
Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, sharing about your thank life you. and your business. Uh, for those of you out there listening, write down something you learned. Maybe it's this unique strategy of going one to many with particular vendors, like how to coach your clients to give you many, many more referrals and many more referral opportunities. So much that we learned today that you can, you can use. So write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 